What's up? It's your boy, Ruby Rube, coming at you from the Gathering Strength Podcast. Vietis, equitit, iundo. We gather strength as we go. I am broadcasting out of the beautiful, lovely, and expensive Livermore, California. Now today, today is a special treat. I had an awesome conversation with Ilana Kearns. Who's Ilana Kearns? Oh, hey, I'm glad you asked. Ilana Kearns, in one simple word, is a beast. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit her with a couple adjectives. She is indefatigable. She is a go-getter. She's a can-doer. She's a riser above her. She's an overcomer. And she's a get-it-donner. And as of recently, she is a Boston Marathon qualifier her second marathon she was able to PR and qualify for the Boston Marathon I believe she'll go on to tell you in this conversation that we had that I'm going to let you listen to in a moment I think her first marathon was five hours back in 2019 and her second marathon man she qualified for the Boston Marathon running, I believe it was 3.50, 3 hours and 50 minutes, something like that, maybe even faster, but I'm going to unleash unleash you guys onto this conversation that we had, and I'll let her loquaciousness inform you on all of the things that she has overcome from having surgeries, from fighting cancer, from getting hit by a car. Man, all these things that would equate to giving up, to throwing in the towel, to acquiring a victim mentality mode, mm -mm, none of those things stopped her. As a matter of fact, in her own words, I will let her tell you how the adversity made her stronger. And now I have a book coming out. And the title is going to be called, Everything is Fuel. And Ilana Kearns, she used all of the adversity, all of the unfortunate circumstances and situations that she encountered, she used it all for fuel. Rather than sitting back and saying, hey, woe is me, I have this, I have that. All of this stuff is weighing me down. No, she turned it around. Now, she's a marathon running woman. She has a half Ironman under her belt. And she has her sights set on Ironman Florida, which is coming up for her in November. But I want to share with you guys some of her statistics that she has been able to accomplish for herself so far. Right now, it is May. And so far, this 45-year-old woman has swam 1,706,000 yards. So think about that for a second. 176,000 yards. She has run 703 miles. She has cycled 2,743 miles. And she has walked over 153 miles. If that's not getting after it, then I don't know what is. 
Now, one of my aims for this podcast is to expose the listener to people such as Ilana. Because when I was growing up, I thought, hey, you know, 30 years old, that's old. 40 years old, that's old. 50 years old, that's old. And I thought that it was old because a lot of the people, a lot of my, the people who were in my life who were that age, they were old. They didn't take care of themselves. They didn't sleep right. They didn't eat right. They didn't exercise. They didn't have any of this mindset stuff that it takes to run a marathon, that it takes to do an Ironman. None of that stuff existed for me. So I was unaware of it. I was blind to it. Essentially, the old adage is, the blind will lead the blind. And it takes learning and obtaining and acquiring new information to remove the blinder and therefore become enlightened. Now you know better. And now because you know better, you can do better. Now it's not all about running real far or lifting heavy ass weights. It's all about just the effort. Doing something small every single day over time is going to give you big results. And because people don't see immediate results, their instant gratification isn't triggered, then they give up. But delaying your gratification and having the payoff down down the road, that is hard for people to understand. It's hard for them to understand because the cookie's going to make you feel good right now. The beer's going to make you feel good right now. The sex, the rock and roll, the gambling, the whatever. Whatever vice. Whatever vice you use to prop yourself up, that's going to make you feel good right now. But, hey, getting down and doing some push-ups, going out for a run, all that stuff is hard. And why make it any harder on yourself when... You have all these little stresses that take away our energy and our vigor and our vitality. Excuses at the end of the day are exactly that. They're excuses. It doesn't matter your age, your fitness ability, your education. None of that stuff matters. It's all about effort. Effort, effort, effort. And then action. Effort and action. That's all you need. Every single day. Something small. And that is what... That's something that has... That has worked for me over time. Because I'm 39. And I'm able to look back at my life and see. Hey, now now your boy Ruby Ruby has a robust catalog of what works and what doesn't work. Uh, And I just want to help expose all of these little things that have helped me along the way and that have helped people such as Alana along the way. So go ahead and take notes. Your boy Ruby Room wants you to grow. I want you to have that buff body, that buff mind, that buff bank, and that buff spirit. Without further ado conversation with Ilana Kearns. Uh, yep. Hey, How do you 
Judy, yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Wonderful. Hey, thank you so much for taking a moment out of your day away from your, I'm going to assume some Ironman training. Um, I try to connect with you, uh, I don't know, maybe an hour ago. And then your message was, hey, I'm off to the pool. So you, you already got in your laps. I already ran 10 miles this morning and I swam 1.2 miles and I walked my dog up a mountain today. We're doing all right. Holy moly. You know what? Health is wealth and you are a billionaire. Thank you. You know, it's interesting. When I started back when COVID first started, um, I've always ran for my health, always. And, you know, I had to have a pretty invasive surgery back in 2014. And I went on Google trying to prepare for the surgery. I have a very, you know, dis a very disjointed family and I had two young boys at home. I was like, all right, how am I going to get through this four hour surgery? And so my doctor mentioned to me, he's like, one of the worst parts of the surgery is that a machine's going to be breathing for you for, you know, nearly four hours for the first surgery. And he's like, your lungs are going to be collapsed. I go, my lungs? He goes, yes. He goes, your lungs are going to take the biggest hit from the surgery. I said, okay, got it. So I went to Google at that point and I was an off and on runner at that point. I would suffer from shin splints and I went on Google and Google and I put in like um, lung care and how to optimize my lung capacity and running kept on coming up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to become a runner. I had no idea how this was going to happen, but I decided at that moment I was done with shin splints. I'm now going to become a runner at work at the same time. I happened to be writing a newsletter. Um, I started this newsletter initiative when I was working at class and one of my coworkers just finished doing Ironman. I had no idea like, what Iron Man was, except I interviewed for him and I knew there was a 2.4 mile swim involved, a 112 mile bike ride and a full marathon. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I went after, I went after Scott. I was like, Scott, I go, how do I become a runner? You just ran a marathon after cycling 112 miles and swimming 2.4 miles. I go, how do I become a runner? He's like, well, what's your problem? I'm like, I'm like, I keep getting shin splints. I'm getting off and on injuries. He's like, well, let me introduce you to my running coach. And he's like, by the way, Newton Running Shoes are the sponsor for Ironman right now. He's like, I've heard a lot of good luck from other athletes that they've gotten rid of their shin splints running in Newtons. I said, okay. So I grabbed a pair of Newtons, went through the horrible transition period, hired a running coach. And fast forward to my surgery a few months later, I ran, I had time to plan for my surgery. I had a good seven month lead up. I ran the Atlanta 10 miler in like 938 pace, went under the knife a month, a week later. And I was back on a treadmill two weeks post-surgery with tissue expanders. My, I had tissue expanders in my chest and I had my bandages like wrapped around my chest. I had a double mastectomy with reconstruction. So that was my surgery. And that was two weeks I was back to running after I had my drainage tubes taken out. And I went back to running the Atlanta hot chocolate 15K 12 weeks after my mastectomy with tissue expanders. So that is how I got into running. <laughs> And I've been running ever since, but it's interesting because when COVID started, um, I, after that, I got in the habit of going to the gym every single day I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, hit the gym at five. My husband's job allowed him to work from home. So he had our boys in the morning. I left work at four, got home around five. And after that, I became religiously going to the gym over and over and over again. And people told me like how rigid I was with my schedule that I work out every single day. I'm like, it's not rigid. It's my self-care. The running is self-care. My training is self-care because if I don't have my health, I am completely useless to everybody around me. So that is my story of how I got into running. And then, you know, I left corporate in 2018 after having a mini stroke and um, at that point, I went to a neurologist for some help. I went to my doctor for help. And I was like, listen, there's something going on with my body. I go, I don't know. Like they told me it was a mini stroke. So it shouldn't have been that. 
but, and I was almost treated like a hypochondriac. And I was like, no, there's something really wrong with my body. I had really bad inflammation to the point that when I tried to leave work, I had to like stop at a chiropractor to pop my hip back in place. I had so much fluid and my chiropractor's like, something's wrong with your body. He's like, I've never, like, I've never tried to correct somebody with so much like rigidity in their back. He goes, I can't adjust you. He goes, you have too much rigidness in your back. And he goes, you have too much fluid in your hip. That's why your hip keeps popping out. He goes, you have too much water in there. And so at that point, I knew something was really, really wrong. And my boss at work coming, he's like, your arms are really, really red. He goes, so are your feet. Like I was flaring up like really red, like spots off and on in my arms. My feet would get really bright, bright red. And at that point, I was starting to get depressed. I was like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with my body. I felt the inflammation, but I didn't know what it was. And my running took a really bad hit. Um, it, it, I ended up like, I had water pressed against my bladder. My hip kept on popping out, so which made running really, really bad because the water was building up in my hip. And I just, I couldn't get the water out of my hips. And so at that point, running took a big hit. Um, this was in 2018. I walked out of work. Um, and so since then, it's been overhauling my diet. I haven't touched alcohol since 2020. I've lost and sustained nearly 40 pounds, despite people trying to make me overweight since 2019. I'm now five foot 10, I'm 45, and I weigh about 132 pounds this morning, despite people trying to put me through extreme adversity. Um, I train every single day and I've constantly ramped up my mile. I did my first marathon in 20. 19 i did it in five hours and i continued overhauling my diet my lifestyle um coached myself to my first 70.3 which i did in 624 is my first triathlon in my life i didn't know anything about transitions how to fuel i didn't know how my body was going to respond and i was annoyed because i did 70.3 under very unique adverse circumstances um, my clavicle bone was out and my knee was not in aligned either and i ended up doing it in 624 but i was pissed because after I finished the race, I wasn't sore and I just, I felt really good. Like I went, I rode my bike back to transition to grab my stuff and I went, I returned to training the very next day. I never took a day off, but I was like, that sucks. I'm like, I should have gone harder, but I didn't know anything about pacing for an Ironman or anything like that. But then I was hooked on it. So I was supposed to do Ironman California last year. Unfortunately, that didn't pan out due to financial reasons. Um, I kept on training though. So I kind of switched gears temporarily. I kept, I'm still training for Ironman Florida right now, but I took a, I took a little slight different path from October when Ironman California was supposed to happen through February. I decided to focus on qualifying for the Boston marathon. And then, so February I ran my second marathon and I qualified for Boston for 2024. I have a 613 buffer. So I'm pretty confident I'm going to get into Boston 2024, which I'm so excited about. And now I'm he heavily, heavily focused on Ironman Florida. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, I saw the post that you shared um, where you qualified for the Boston Marathon. Have you, what, what time was that based on your gender and your age group? What time did you have to run those 26 two point miles in order to qualify for, to uh participate? As a female, as a woman who's 45 years old, I had to mm. run that marathon under three hours, 50 minutes. And my time mm. was three hours, 43 minutes, 47 seconds. Yeah, that's very good. That's super fast. Did you see um, this last Boston Marathon? I actually shared um, it was I don't know what uh, outlet was uh, posted it, but I shared it. A 77 year old. She ran it in three hours and 30 minutes. That's because that's amazing. I did not see that, but I'm not surprised by it. Age is nothing but a number. Ruben, Ruben, age is nothing but a number. You know, I'll share with you. I've had 
a double mastectomy with reconstruction. I've lost both of my ovaries in my 30s. I have a hypothyroid, so I'm quite familiar with hormone issues. All of it is lifestyle driven. And that's the thing that I've learned through my health journey is that everything is lifestyle driven. Depression mm -hmm. and it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And I'm going to get a lot of slack for saying this, but I'm a big believer in it. Much of depression, anxiety, and other mental health ailments come from lifestyle, whether it's alcohol, lack of exercise, lack of sunshine, lack of sleep. And then I had this conversation with somebody online the other day. They were like, well, if I, because she said in her goals on her profile that she was trying to get into shape and try to get herself motivated to work out. I'm like, she's like, well, I take drugs to help. I, I need my anxiety drugs or whatever she's on to get herself out of bed. I go, okay, well, how's that working out for you going to the gym? Are you at the gym regularly yet? No. Okay. Well, how are those drugs working out for you? What are they doing for you? They sound like they're a clutch for, to me, and this sounds, I, mental health is very, very important. I want to be clear when I say this, mental health is very, very important. But the idea that your mind and body are separate is nonsense. What you consume, whether it's on social media, whether you, you you consume from alcohol, what you consume from drugs, what you consume from a food perspective, what you don't consume, like whether it's not enough fresh air, whether it's not enough sunshine, will accumulate in your body. And mm -hmm. I'm a really, really big believer that, and now studies are coming out, um, the British Journal just released, that the British uh, Sports Medical Journal just released that exercise and the more intense it is is actually more effective for depression than drugs. It is now being recommended that you prescribe intense exercise to help moderate, to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety. I mean, that's how powerful exercise is. So it's not me just saying this. We have renowned organizations who now support this idea. Yeah, for the people who aren't, um, who lean on their vices and their crutches and the, their numbing agents, whatever it is, Whatever numbing agent is helping to prop yourself up so that you can face the day and all of the stresses, whatever that is on top of the lack of sleep, the inadequate nutrition, the inadequate or lack thereof exercise regimen. And then also there is a intrinsic frustration of not pursuing those things because you are scared of failing. You are scared of trying. You are you are scared of manifesting your truest sense of expression. And it's just a perpetual cycle to where you're tired. So you're tired, so you're not going to try. And then you're not going to try because you had a bad night, a bad night of sleep. And then you had a bad night of sleep. So now you're going to make bad eating choices. And now because you ate bad food, now you don't have the energy. And it's just a whirlwind. It is a cycle. Essentially, it's like going down, uh, swirling down the, the toilet bowl to where now it is just everything is just so much harder. Even the smallest thing of just going for a walk. That is insurmountable. That is arduous. And even doing like a, a little 5K uh, walk slash run, that is equivalent to an Ironman for some people because their health, their motivation, their spiritual assets, their mental assets, all of that is just in a poverty-stricken mode. And the amount of energy that you spend running 10 miles and swimming the 1.2 miles that you just did, that is equivalent to someone just running and walking one mile. And that's what I'm saying. You are a, a, a billionaire. And I'm not the person who said health is wealth. We have all heard that. And that came from, I think, Frederick Nietzsche, who was a, um, a philosopher, a psychologist, um, a philanthropist, 
um, from like the early or late 1800s, early 1900s. But he was the one who said health is the first wealth. And that's something that I have thought about in my own life when it comes to analyzing the things that nobody else can do. Like I can pay someone to mow my lawn. I can pay someone to wash my car, uh, clean my house, do all of these things. I can pay someone to have food brought to me. But one thing that I can't do is pay someone for me to get out of bed and go put in the effort. And it's not about the miles. It's not about lifting heavy weights. It's not about lifting 500 pounds or running 10, 20, 30, 100 miles. It's just about the effort in whatever way you can apply it. It's all about effort. I agree with you. That is a really well statement. I'm going to share with you. I have had a very, very difficult journey. I will last year I was out running nine miles and March 30th, I was out running nine miles. I got hit by a car while running, literally got hit by a car, had hit the pavement, phone flew out of my hand. And I didn't understand what happened because the world was spinning around me. I was like, oh shit. And then I stood up. I was like, oh my God, I got hit by a car. I didn't know what the damage was yet at that point. The driver stopped and she's like, I'll call the ambulance. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm like, you've done enough damage. I'm like, leave me alone. And I told her very nicely where to go. I'm like, you just hit me with a car. I'm not going to be polite to you. I found my phone, found my headphones. I, of course, I did manage to pause Garmin when I hit the ground. I had road rash on my entire right hip. I was bleeding everywhere. Nice. Yeah. You, got, you had hit, you paused your run because yeah, you didn't want your, your pace to reflect poorly on after exactly. these things matter. So I was at I, I knew I was at eight and a half miles. I told the driver where to go. She's like, I'm gonna call the ambulance. I go, no, you're not. I'm running home. Leave me the alone. I literally I was a half a mile from my apartment. So I finished my run home. I had no idea I was wearing a long sleeve black shirt. So I didn't know I had no idea if I was hit. I didn't know I knew I was hit. I didn't know what was damaged yet. I got home, took off my shirt. And my elbow was a hot mess. I was like, okay, I need to go to the hospital right now. So I took a shower, cleaned up, said hi to my dog, drove myself to the hospital. I was like, I think I need to get, I think I need to go into the ER room. They looked at me like, yeah, you do. I ended up getting a two pound straight splint for my elbow. I refused to let the doctors put any like plates in my elbow. Went home. I didn't, the nurse's faces were shocked. They thought I was going to stay overnight at the hospital. I'm like, peace out, ladies. I got myself dressed at the hospital, left the hospital. Their faces were, their mouths were wide open. And I walked out of the hospital door when I got, because I got myself dressed. They, the nurses were not very kind to me when I was there. Got in my car, drove home. I took exactly one opiate pill on that night. The very next morning, literally the very next morning, I hopped on my indoor trainer on Zwift on my Wahoo kicker got on Zwift, cycled like 18 miles. This is literally 24 hours, less than 24 hours after getting hit by a car. Uh, Ruben, I was back to running four days later. And I don't touch, I, I took one opiate. I took Advil for the first couple of days. I was back to running four days later. And this is the, the this is where get the story got interesting. My first run with the splint was awful. I was running at 1030 pace. I never run that slow. It's been years since I ran that slow. The splint was so heavy, I couldn't pump my arms. And I was like, oh my gosh, I go, how am I going to make it like with running? I go, I'm going to be wearing the splint for the next eight weeks. And I was like, this is awful. The split was so heavy. And I was like, oh my gosh, this sucks. I'm like, well, my choices are keep running with a heavy splint or I'm not going to, I'm going to lose running fitness. I was like, okay. So the next day got back out there again, the pace wasn't much better. Kept at it. By Sunday, went out for a nine mile run and I ran at 9.13 pace. I was like, huh, I just ran nine miles at 9.13 pace with a two pound splint. This is getting better. Continued running. 
I was running soon 15 miles with a splint on my arm. And now this is where it gets better. I started to get faster and faster and faster. By the time that splint came off, I was running ridiculously fast. I was down, I got my 17 mile runs down to like less than two and a half hours for my training pace. And what happened was the splint um, completely changed my cadence. So I used to pump my arms and waste notoriously. I used to waste so much energy pumping my arms when I was running. Well, what happened was with the splint, I couldn't pump my arms anymore. And to propel myself forward, I, I wasn't even realizing I was doing it, but I started using my core muscles to propel myself forward. And so it became my primary engine was my core with my legs. I never I stopped relying on my arms. By the time that split came off, I was using my arms, my core, and my legs, and my pace just took off. That's how I qualified for Boston Marathon. So it's hard for me to even be upset. So when I look back at the car accident, I don't look at the car accident as a bad thing. I look at it as a gift because that's how I qualified for the Boston Marathon. It was because it changed my core, it changed my pace and the way I ran so radically that it just made me a more efficient runner. The best part about Ironman training is when I got when the splint came off, I had such poor mobility in my elbow, I couldn't even like touch my head. And I went to PT twice. I thought it was a waste of time. I'm like, I'm never going to get my strength back with this. This is bullshit. So I decided, I'm like, I'm going to return to the pool. I don't know how it's going to feel because I can barely move my elbow, but here we go. Couldn't put my swim cap on. A girl in the locker room helped me with my swim cap and I hit the pool and it was very uncomfortable for the first few swims because my elbow had such poor range of motion. By the time December rolled around, my range of motion was probably back to like 90%. Today, it's like nothing ever happened. I have a crooked elbow still, but it's like nothing ever happened. And that's the power of like swimming. And like, even I love, I live alone. So I was able to fend for myself, get myself dressed to go on with my life because of the miles of swimming that I did. And what's more impressive is that when I hit the ground from the car accident, despite having road rash and yes, the world spun for me, I walked away with no concussion. The only place I had an injury that was like a serious injury was my elbow, which took a direct hit from the car. No concussion, no fractured hips, nothing. And that's the power of Ironman. So it's not just, Ironman isn't just a race. I have yet to do a full Ironman. It's been delayed so many times because of finances or whatever has happened, mm -hmm. but it's not just Ironman is a race, but I'll share with you the lifestyle. I mean, exercise has saved my life, whether it was my double mastectomy with reconstruction, exercise saved my life during being hit by a car. And I'll challenge anybody who sits there and says you can be healthy at any size. And this is going to sound like a mean statement, but this is really a big takeaway in my aha moment from COVID. If you think you can be healthy at any size, what would your recovery look like if God forbid you were hit by a car? Would you be able to get off the road or you're going to need to go away in an ambulance? Are you fit enough? Or do you have enough, you know, are you, are you have enough strength? Do you have enough flexibility to take care of yourself for eight weeks with one arm down? In my case, it was my primary arm down. And so when people say you can be healthy at any size, I challenge that because I say, really, what does health look like to you? What does health mean to you? Because, and that's where I think a lot of the conversations with exercise where people are like, well, my 10 miles is equivalent to somebody's 5K. I have busted my butt. I have not been given any easy roads. My Boston Marathon, the day, the morning, I ran a Rolling Hills course in Tallahassee. Ruben, I had diarrhea the morning I woke up in the race. I had, my clavicle bone was out. Um, my headphones died. There were no pacers for the race. And so, and I woke up this morning, I was like, what am I doing running today? I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to run. Just, it was just a physical mess. And I was like, and some, this voice kept on telling me it's your race, it's your race. You're going to be fine. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm like, but if this voice was so insistent that it's going to be my race, I was like, we're going to go run this marathon today. And you know, I was literally in the porta potty right until the gun went off. 
I had horrible gut issues. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to run this. And the, but the gun went off. And I, and I knew at mile 13 that if I wasn't pacing on time for Boston, I could always turn around at the half marathon point because they were taking people off the course if you weren't going to be under a certain time limit anyway. But came the half marathon course, I had no headphones after mile 11. I was pacing ahead. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, how is this happening? And it's funny because the minute the race started, I told my body, I go, we're shutting down the diarrhea. We are done with the gut issues for 26.2 miles. I told my body, we are now behaving. And you, I, just, I literally shut down all sensation to my gut. I'm like, we are focusing on running. There will be no more sensations of the gut, which is really powerful. When you can control your body to do this, it's very, very powerful. And so I started, I finished my marathon. I never hit the wall. Mile 20 went by. I was like, oh my God, I'm pacing ahead of Boston. This is insane. Um, I had a Charlie horse in my cramp at mile 21, probably because of my thigh, probably because of the uh, dehydration from the diarrhea, the TMI. And I finished the 26 miles in 343. And it, my gut issues resumed literally right after the finish line, which is kind of funny. And I was like, oh my God, I just ran a Boston qualifying marathon with a 613 buffers, my second marathon in my life, despite all the extreme adversity. And so I did not have an easy journey, but what I've learned through all of this, it's mindset. It is how we... It is up to you as a person. If it's hard for you to get out of bed, get out of bed. I, I've never, I've never, you know, despite all the things I've been put through, divorce, hair cut off, isolation, broke, living on food stamps, delayed races. I've never had a day that I regret going out running or training and not feeling better about myself. I went running this morning. I'm in the mountains in Blairsville. I went running this morning. I've too many cows I passed on horses. How could you not be in a good mood when you look at the scenery around here? It's absolutely mind-blowingly gorgeous. And it's sad because I went at the end of my run, I saw this very obese woman who lives on this most tranquil road. This road is beautiful. Ruben, there's like mountains all around you. There's pastures of horses and cows. And this woman is obese. And I'm like, my God, I'm like, you live on the most beautiful road that's so scenic, especially when you get to the top of the road. Yes, it's a steep hill to get to the top. But the view of like when you run down that hill, it's just mind-blowingly beautiful. I'm like, you don't even have to go to the gym. You just have to like run up and down this hill, walk up the hill every single day. You would lose weight. I'm like, you live in the most spectacular place in the world, like not in the world, but it's pretty, it's pretty picturesque here in North Georgia. And I don't understand when people take their health for granted. They're like, oh, I can't do that. Well, why can't you do that? You say you can't do that. It's mental though. And a lot of it is mental and people then they want to blame the crops. It's, it's stress. It's this. I have no job. I don't know where I'm going to be living next month. I've had my hair cut off. I've been divorced, isolated. My elbow's still crooked. I had somebody messing with me, trying to age me. Long story. I have been put through craziness. And I could sit there and say, oh my God, woe is me, uh, this and that. You know, I came to this cottage. I'm renting a cabin in the woods in Blairsville, Georgia. There's a bottle of wine sitting there in the fridge. And I had somebody come over here to help me with my Zwift bike, get my um, Wahoo kicker set up. I'm not very good with like my hands on machines. I hand them the bottle of wine. I'm like, enjoy. Thanks for coming out here. I don't drink that stuff. And it's a choice, though. I mean, everyone's going to be faced with temptation, you know, whether it's food, whether it's candy, whether it's alcohol, you're not going to feel like working out. I mean, I didn't feel like running the marathon with diarrhea when I ran it. But guess what? It wasn't my feelings are irrelevant. Feeling we focus too, way too much on feelings. You, you need to focus on what needs to be done, not your feelings. Your feelings are irrelevant. And we and I think that since COVID, people have, are so touchy-feeling. Oh, we need to be inclusive. We need to be this. We need to be... I'm like, stop with the feelings. We need to focus on what you need to be doing right now. It is your health. You can't complain about your health if you're not willing to put the effort forth. Does that make sense when I say that? Like, you just... You have to take some accountability for yourself. You can't be a victim. You're not going to accomplish anything. Yes, definitely. You know what? You should start a podcast because you just talked for like 
15 minutes straight about uh, a lot of a lot of good good things but uh, have you ever considered starting uh, your own podcast and being able to um, really get your philosophy out there on all these things that really helped you hone on the way you think that has empowered you that 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 helps propel you forward have you no. ever considered no not not, no. not doing anything like that I, I think you would be good at it but uh, one one final question when you do finally cross that Ironman finish line, what is that going to do for you? Is there is there going to be another mountain at the at the end of Ironman, or is that going to be the 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 end all be all, and you can rest a little bit easier? What what's going to be Kona, next? Because Kona, I I I'm oh so you, oh you want to get Kona, huh? There you go, nice. And I have no desire to quit triathlon sport. I am obsessed with it. I think for me, I've really fallen hard. I love racing. I want to be clear. I love racing. Racing is so fun. Um, this year, I ran a 15K. I was number one for my age group. I paced at 709 for 9.3 miles. So I was pretty happy with that, 106. Mm-hmm. Um, I love racing. I think racing is a blast. I love training even more. I take more pride. I think that a lot of us talk about the journey. We talk about the end result. And I think my last several years have made me realize how much I appreciate the journey. The end results, the qualifying for Boston is amazing. But you know what I'm going to remember for Boston? I'm going to remember that crazy marathon of diarrhea, headphones dead, rotated bones, bad hair. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember getting hit by a car and how that transformed my running. And with Ironman, I just recently swam 2.4 miles in an hour, 15 minutes, all straight freestyle. Um, which was really, it's a 15 minute drop for me from a year ago. So I was really happy with that. And Ironman has really changed my life from like, you know, once, once, so back in 2018, I was so intimidated by the idea of Ironman. It was an idea. So then I did the 70.3. I was like, oh my God, that was, I'm not going to say it was easy. I returned to the pool for the first time swimming since I was a kid. I was made fun of at the pool. I had my fins. I was rotating backstroke freestyle. I refused to hire a coach. I'm very stubborn. And I was like, no, I'm going to do this my way. Just let me do this. And then like, I refused to hire a coach and I refused to do any triathlons until I got to the 70.3. I didn't want to like, I know myself well enough to know I'm going to get intimidated if there's too much, if I, if I know too much without practice, it's going to intimidate me. So I said, no, I'm going to go into this cold Turkey. I rather yeah, go. Speaking of being in, intimidated, um, there are some people who are intimidated to even go out there and, and try something new. If you were to give one last nugget of wisdom to someone out there who is potentially listening, who just bought a, a fresh pair of, of gym shoes and they're trying, but it's not clicking. It, the work is more arduous, and these runs or walks in nature, it's more of a chore. What is one piece of advice that you would want someone to take away from listening to your story and hopefully being able to embody a little bit of your philosophy? You don't know what the future holds. Well, number one, if you have children, you need to think about your kids. You want to be there for your kids. You don't want to be held back by your body size, by your weight, whether it's you want to there go. There you go. You want to go yep. horseback riding. You want to go zip lining. You want to go ride bikes with your kids. You want to go hiking with them. You know, we've taken our boys hiking to the lake, to this, um, through the sand dunes of Lake Michigan. Some people can't even do that hike because it's really, it's you're climbing sand mount hills. You're not even climbing flat at this point. It's not even roads or even paved roads. It's sand hills, and you're climbing these dunes 
to go to the lake, you're climbing what three miles to go to the lake to the lake, lake Michigan to go to the yeah. dunes. You want to be fit enough to do these things. God forbid. So I have the BRCA gene, which puts me at high risk for breast cancer, ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, and pancreatic cancer, and skin cancer. So I was faced with this horrible decision. Either it was right after my cousin died and my aunt was in the hospital with breast cancer. My cousin died at a very young age. She left her boys behind. And I was faced with my breast cancer doctor died all of a sudden in her 40s. This is a true story. Like everybody died at the same time. And I was like, at the, you know, I had to make this decision either have a double mastectomy with reconstruction or go through this um, biannual MRIs and mammograms. And I was like, I can't do the MRIs and mammograms because you're number one, you're exposing yourself to a lot of radiation, but two, the idea of mentally something waiting to drop and you're waiting for like, you know, I had one, I had one round of mammograms where I had to have the films double checked because there was a false positive. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Trust me. It's really nerve wracking. And having MRIs on your breasts is really, really bad. It's a 32 minutes in this machine, in this tube with nonstop beeping in your ears. I'm very claustrophobic. I don't enjoy that. Yeah. I like what you were saying about, uh, you know, being able to enjoy the time with your kids, being able to go on these hikes and, and yeah, just be. And your health. Ruben, this is a serious conversation as precision medicine takes off right now, which is precision medicine is going to take off. And you, uh, as we identify more genes that put you at risk for cancer, there are women who are so unhealthy right now that if they had, God forbid that they had the BRCA gene, they would be, they would not be able to even go under the knife to have a double mastectomy to save their own lives. Because I had three rounds of surgery. Round one was four hours. It's a brutal surgery. Round two was Mm. two hours. The last one was- All right, so hold on. What is this this thing called? It's the BRCA gene. I have, it puts me on- All right, so we'll we'll leave the listeners with wanting to do a little bit more research on the, the BRCA gene. But my point is whether it's a mastectomy, cancer, whether you're hit by a car, your health is going to dictate how you come out of those situations. If God forbid you have, whether it's the BRCA gene, you're hit by a car, you want to be healthy enough that when these things happen, you can fend for yourself. You know, God forbid every listener should ask themselves, if you were hit by a car, I hope you're not, but God forbid you're hit by the car. How would you be able to handle the recovery? Are you done? Are you, how would you take care of yourself? Can you take yeah, care? Yeah, there you go. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know your story. Uh, that's why I wanted to have a a quick conversation with you is to um, is to enlighten people that there are women out there who are your age. You know, because from what I understand, and from a lot of people, they're ignorant to the fact that there are people out there like you. Who are considered, you know, older. I, I'm, 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 I'm 39. I'm going to be 40. And when I, when I was growing up, the mindset was, hey, as you start to age, you start to get old. You start to get weak. You start to let things go. But that is not what I have found to be true. And the people who speak and project those weaknesses and those ailments, and hey, you're married now. You can let it go. You have kids now. You can let it go. You got injured now. You're working, this and that. You're not going to have time. People like you and people who do the Ironmans, they're all um, they're all the people who leave all the excuses at the door, and they put actions to where their excuses would otherwise take place. And yeah, no, that, that's very good. Thank you so much for for giving me some moments of your time. Hopefully this conversation resonated with some people out there, no matter what age you are, what fitness level you are, 
Let's get rid of the excuses and let's incrementally, day by day, set those small daily goals because with time, those goals turn into really big gains. Absolutely. And likewise, you know, you're 39 years old. You're not, I think you've transposed that you get slower with age. I know certainly at 45 years old, I just ran a 15K at 709. I just qualified for the Boston Marathon at 343. Less than a year after a broken elbow. It's mindset. It's diet and exercise. Yeah. It really, really well, is. Well, thank you so much for, for um, enlightening my my podcast and blessing my, my podcast with your can-do attitude, your positivity, and your work ethic. I, I wish you all of the, the best of luck in all of your journey, and I look forward to your posts. And when is your, your Ironman coming up? I'm, God willing, we're going to get to Ironman Florida this year in November. Let's, so I'm very, very, let's very, very go. All right. Hey, well, um, once again, thank you so much. I'll let you go. Um, you go ahead and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. I appreciate you. We'll, you we'll be in bye. touch. All right, bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Gathering Strength podcast. Vietis equited iundo. We gather strength as we go. If you made it to the end of the podcast, give me a like. Give me a subscribe. Give me a follow. And until next time, It's onward, always onward.